the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Now to four. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, let me stand, I am tired, I am weak, I am lost. Precious Lord, and lead me
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. There are some times in this journey when the way seems utterly impossible. There are portions of this journey that that just break our hearts. In Genesis 3, we read about a story regarding two very unique trees. And, by the way, welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Sometimes we walk through very deep water and we're sure we're going to die in that deep water. We can barely, barely keep our our nose above the surface. And every kind of opposition comes and every kind of bitterness and anger seems to flow at us. People say things that are harsh and hard. People cut us off and reject us. It's then that we need to remember these two trees. Two trees that grew in the garden when there was no sin These two trees represent two very different paths. One, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I want to call it the tree of judgment. It's where Eve and then Adam thought that they could make their own judgments that they could decide what was right and wrong and they could have their opinions about what was right and wrong. Oh, how tempted I am every day to have strong opinions about what is right and what is wrong and to judge those who don't do it the way I think they should, especially those close to me. See, we can be hurt most by by those who are close to us. Wives, husbands, children, friends, pastors, teachers. And when we're hurt, when things don't go the way we think they should go, we want to go to that tree of the knowledge of good and evil and we want to eat that fruit and say, I have a right here. I'm right. You're wrong. Now, you can't do it that way. Oh, and all the, all the feelings that are hooked onto that and the bitterness and the, and the sadness and the brokenness that get connected to that crazy tree. And then the other tree, the tree of life. Two trees that take us totally different directions. This tree of judgment, in our pride and self-sufficiency, we imagine that we have enough understanding and enough information about that situation or that person to make a fair and honest judgment in every situation. We instinctively judge. That's human nature. We instinctively judge. And when we judge, we are usually negative biased and unfair 
we always slant it our direction. I know the Holy Spirit is calling us to turn away from judging. Now that's not easy because we think we're right and we think they're wrong. Especially when it comes to those close to us who can who can so desperately hurt us and break our hearts. But in the name of Jesus, we need to refrain from judging situations and from judging one another. And instead, we need to bless and forgive so that life, the life of Jesus, can flow in our hearts and in our lives. When we partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that is the tree of judgment, it always produces accusations. And when we accuse, we come into agreement with the devil. He is the accuser of the brethren. It is either someone else's fault or your own fault. But somebody is always to blame when accusations fly. Either accusations coming at you that say it's all your fault. If you would just do this, if you would just be this, if you would just not do that. Or the accusations, they go against another person from our own heart. You're wrong. You shouldn't act that way. You know better. I'm right. You're wrong. This is the human condition. Our constant judging of others causes us to become very negative in our hearts. Negative, negative, negative. A continual cry for justice is then raised up in our heart to God. And we say to the Lord, Lord, do you see how I'm being treated here? It's wrong. Would you deal with this person? Would you stop the flow of accusations against me? Lord, would you judge between us? And as soon as we do that, we have blocked the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, what I'm speaking about today is so difficult to get a hold of in our actions It's easy to say, oh yeah, I know that. Don't judge that you're not judged. But Lord, we've got to go deeper than that. We've got to get this in our spirits. We've got to understand the doors we open with our accusations and our judgments and our withholding of love and support. Lord, we've got to get a hold of that and understand the impact that has between your heart and our heart, God. Lord, would you send your Holy Spirit right now to enlighten our minds and our hearts and take away the defensiveness, Lord, first in my heart. You know, all morning I've been before you weeping, saying, Lord, I've been very defensive. And I've made accusations. And I repent of those. I refuse to walk in that anymore, Lord, by your grace and by your power. I will only forgive and bless, not judge. Judgment belongs to the Lord. 
and vengeance belongs to the Lord. Lord, I would rather be wronged than be right. So, Lord, I just stand by faith now. Lord, thank you. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You see, when we, when we give up our cry for justice, we then are born again in the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit fills us. And then the tree of life is back in the garden of our hearts. We have access to the tree of life. And if we will eat of the tree of life, what happens? Well, it builds us up. It encourages us. It edifies us. It gives us the ability to reach out and touch the lives of other people with compassion and with mercy. The tree of life will give life to others as we bless them and not curse them, as we forgive them and not accuse them, if we give up our judgments. But I can hear some of you saying, but pastor, it is wrong. Am I supposed to just agree with the wrong? No, you weren't asked to make a decision about whether it was right or wrong. You were asked to go to Jesus with it and give it to him and ask him for mercy for your enemy. Sometimes husbands, sometimes wives, sometimes pastors, sometimes people can become enemies. So instead of judging, we pray. We seek his face. One of the things that has become such a, a part of my nature is that I bless things that I don't have. I bless all of you who listen to this broadcast. I go by names when I have names. I have many of your names as you've donated and given generously to this broadcast. I go through those names and I bless them. I bless Chris. I bless Leslie. I bless Jim. I bless Tom. I bless, I bless Ellen. I just go through and I, I bless. I bless. Why? Because that releases the power of God in my life and in their life. Now, we can get very upset. We can even weep. Those people who have the potential to hurt us, those people that are close to us, even though they're not dear to us, maybe they're close to us, and their words sting and bite and hurt, and we want for something else. God's called us out of this pattern of judging. He's calling you today to stop thinking wrong thoughts about those who you think are wrong, who are hurting you, 
Now, that doesn't mean that you have to go back and invite them to hurt you. It just means you have to turn them over to Jesus. And it means you have to stop accusing them. The Holy Spirit said to me this morning, I'm going to do a deep work in the people's hearts as they listen today. I know he's doing that right now. This is a very tender subject to talk about. Matthew 7, verses 1 and 2 says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. It's one thing to intellectually believe that passage of Scripture. But he's saying in the real life, if you judge, if you demand justice and repayment for the sins and wrongs done to you, then you will be dealt with according to your own prescription. The way you treat people is the way you will be treated by others and by God. I want you to understand this dynamic. When I judge others, I am opening the door legally to judge me. I know I've made a decision. I want to be the most forgiving loving, understanding person on the face of the earth. I don't want to get what I deserve to get, not from God, not from Satan, and not from my life. Justice is good, but mercy is better. Justice is the law of God. It means that if you hurt me, I can hurt you. If you wrong someone, then that wrong must be made right. Our sense of justice understands this. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a life for a life. It's very, very fair. If you want justice, then you will be dealt with by the same rules. It is the law of God, and it is good and fair, but it's also the arena in which Satan really thrives. This is where he shines. He is the master prosecutor. He is the master accuser. So when you demand justice, Satan now can go and say, okay, now this man, this woman, let's give them justice. The problem is none of us could ever have any hope for eternity if we received the justice we deserved. I want to say that again. None of us could ever have any hope of entering into heaven if we received the justice we deserve for our sin. There is, however, a place to go where Satan cannot follow you and he cannot accuse you. And that place is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've been singing that old, wonderful song. I was out this morning just praising God 
Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all my sins. I'm so grateful to Jesus today that he has wiped away my sins, that he's forgiven me. How could I? How could I live if Jesus had not forgiven me? If the grace of Jesus Christ was not in my life, how could I come and even speak to you? I couldn't. I wouldn't. There is a place that Satan cannot enter. And that place is the place of mercy and love and forgiveness. It's a higher, it's a better place. If we live in grace and mercy, Satan can't follow us there. He has no rights in that place. But if you spend, say, 70 or 80% of your time on a judgment justice level, then he has the right to beat you 80% of the time. So my cry is, God, help me to live in the grace and the love and the mercy. Give me the ability to live totally in your innocence, in your righteousness, where love flows, where, where mercy flows, where forgiveness is quickly offered even to the most vile person. I was a child about eight or nine years old. I don't remember how old I was. But I was attacked by a pedophile who tried to rape me. I was able to tear myself out of his clutches and run. He chased me through the woods. I was utterly terrified. I've had to deal with that pedophile attack on my life I have I have had to make a very cold-blooded decision will I forgive that man not only will I forgive that man but will I pray for him oh I'm sure he's gone I'm sure he's dead that was many years ago but in my heart, God wants to know what is your attitude toward that sexual abuser of children. I despise pedophilia. It is utterly wicked. There is no righteousness in it. It is straight out of the pit of hell. The molesting of young children is one of the crimes that God hates more than any other. The murder of our babies. He hates that. Does God offer forgiveness and mercy to a pedophile? Yes, if they repent. It's not my place to judge. I'm not the court of law. I'm not living under the court of law. I'm living in the grace of Jesus where there's mercy, where there's forgiveness, where there's love. 
It took me a few years. I was terrified of going in the woods alone for some time. We lived way out in the country. I was afraid he was lurking behind a tree and would grab me and kill me, rape me. I had to get past that. One of the ways I got past it was my father saying to me, Raymond, you have to forgive. Let it go. Vengeance belongs to the Lord, not to you. He'll deal with the man. Things happen in our lives. Relationships are destroyed by selfish hearts. Churches are utterly destroyed by mistakes and by judgments and by accusations and by gossip. How do we deal with this? I've been a pastor now 50 years. I've been hurt many times by God's people. One one member used to refer to it as sheep bites. Oh, sheep bites are, are the most painful. But the head butting is also. I was so shocked by this behavior when I first came out of seminary that I was under such stress I thought I would die. And then I had to begin to learn how to deal with it. With honest words of confrontation and accountability, but also with great love and compassion and mercy. It seems that we have x-ray vision to see the shortcomings of another Remember that passage, Matthew 7, verses 3 to 5. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. It's amazing how a plank in your eye always makes the speck look like it's huge. (laughs) Ah, I know. We have to understand that what I'm talking about today, this advocation of the tree of judgment, the the cutting down of it in our lives, the, the feasting on the tree of life in the love and mercy and kindness, We have to understand that this is the major key to freedom in Jesus. This is what must happen if we want the Holy Spirit to flow in power in our lives. Jesus is saying, look, judge yourself. When you want mercy for your own sins, and when you walk in that mercy, then Go take care of another person and and begin to bless them and don't curse them. We expend an awful lot of our time and energy on hanging on to our anger and our hurts and our fears, our expectations. One mother used to call me. She was so upset, always angry and upset. 
because her college-aged son would not do what she wanted him to do. She refused to cut the apron strings. You see, many times we're not even in touch with, with these things in ourselves. Our eyes are always on the other person with our accusations. But as we begin to learn how to live in mercy and grace, releasing and forgiving others from the issues that are between us, we will find the yoke of Jesus is easy and his burden is light. From Matthew 12, verse 30. So I want you to hear this. This word of God, please. Luke, the sixth chapter. Luke, the sixth chapter. Let me turn to it quickly. I'm going to begin reading with verse 37. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, usually we've taught in the church about this sowing and reaping in terms of giving financial blessings. But that's only a, a shallow understanding about finances. It's across the board. It's for, re for releasing in our hearts and in our lives the incredible grace of God. In Exodus 20, verse 4, we're told that the sins of the fathers are visited upon the children to the third and fourth generation as we see recurring patterns of negative thinking and negative things happening to us. We can also see how the enemy has access and inroads into our lives. He wants to maintain these inroads right down through the family line, generation after generation. Consider, for example, and I've seen this so many times, I've had to deal with it as a pastor so many times. There's an alcoholic father. He in turn has an alcoholic son who in turn has an alcoholic son. Or a young lady who grows up an in an alcoholic home and vows to herself, I will never marry a man who is an alcoholic. Five years after the wedding, she's saying, I can't stand living with him anymore. He's an alcoholic. He's beating me. He's mean to the children. He's just like my dad was. And we say, Oh God, what's wrong with people's heads? Couldn't they see this coming? There is an incredible magnetic pull that draws people so they play into the hands of Satan. It is the law of God's justice, and Satan is the master legalist. He takes advantage of the law of sowing and reaping. 
Galatians 6, verses 7 and 8. People make judgments toward their parents, judgments toward their pastor, judgments toward their wife or their husband, and it gives the enemy the legal right to perpetuate the crimes, the abuse, the wickedness that goes on in that relationship. And yet the heart of God is to heal that and to forgive, not to perpetuate it, but to end it by the cross, by the blood. Jesus took on the cross the atoning sacrifice for our sins. When you say, I hate my alcoholic father, when we accuse and blame him rightly, I'm not saying he's innocent. Let's be clear. When you say, I hate my husband because he's abusive to me, we're really asking for justice. We're making a judgment that is rooted in hurt and bitterness. And when we demand justice, we're actually stepping back into a legal system that has the power to demand justice and payment for our sins as well. It's like giving the devil a key to your house. There's only one safe response. Lord, let there be mercy in this person's life. Let mercy triumph over judgment. James 2.13 You have forgiven me all this great debt of mine. Now that you've given me the key to the kingdom, I'm going to forgive everyone who owes me anything or who has hurt me in any way. And that brings me to a story in the scriptures. I want to share it with you. Yes, I still have time. Good. It's found in Luke, the seventh chapter. There's a sinful woman. I don't know whether she was a prostitute. I don't know, but she was unclean. She was a sinner. But she's been forgiven by Jesus. And she's entered into the mercy and the the kindness of Jesus. And she's had her sins removed. Now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to lunch. And while he was at the Pharisee's house, he was reclined on the couch to eat. And this woman in the city, who was a sinner, she knew that Jesus was sitting at that table or reclining at that table in the Pharisee's house. And she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and she stood at his feet behind him weeping and she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head and she kissed his feet over and over and she anointed them with the fragrant oil now the fragrant oil is 
is mixed with her tears of gratitude. Now when the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, he would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. So all the accusations begin to flow out of this man. He's been healed of, of leprosy. Simon the leper. And he was considered unclean by everybody. But now suddenly he's healed, so he's clean. And this wicked woman, oh, how quick the accusations begin to flow out of his heart. And how saddened Jesus is by the accusations. He refuses to enter into the grace of God. He would rather be right he would rather pass a judgment on the person who healed his leprosy. This is beyond my comprehension, but it is exactly the nature of this wicked tree of the knowledge of good and evil that has grown up in the hearts of each one of us and must be cut down, must be burned, must be destroyed, that we could feast on the tree of life, on grace and mercy and love repenting of our sins, seeing the holiness of God and his great love for us. Jesus knows what he's thinking in his heart and says to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Okay, teacher, what is it? Well, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owned, one owed 500 denarii, a million dollars. And the other, 50 bucks. And when they had nothing to repay it, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who forgave him more. And he said, You've judged rightly. He turned to the woman and he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. Why? because he was not wanting to show to everybody who was there that he favored Jesus. He was ashamed to admit that Jesus was the one who had healed him of his leprosy. He kept it quiet. He wanted to be accepted among the Pharisees. They were against Jesus. His heart has not been changed. He is full of judgments and accusations. Oh, brother, sister, do you get what I'm saying to you today? There has to be a, a change in our hearts. Now, I'm going to tell you honestly, when I think I'm right, and I think someone is acting very foolishly, and it's impacting my life, I can become very judgmental. I've said, oh God, 
You healed me of my leprosy. Don't let me be like Simon. Bless and not curse. Love and forgive, not curse. He goes on. She has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them away with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. It cost her something. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she has loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same love, the same love little. And then he said to her, your sons are, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Oh, if we could just get a hold of this story and begin to understand what Jesus has done for us and give up our judgments and our accusations and give up our rightness and turn from our hardness of heart. There's another parable I want to share with you. Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but seventy times seven. In other words, when they don't change their behavior because you are showing them love and forgiveness and mercy, Keep forgiving them. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. This is Matthew 18, verse 24. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, that is, millions of dollars. He was not able to pay. His master commanded that he be sold, that his wife and his children and all that he had be sold, be liquidated, and that payment would be made. He would, The king would at least recoup a little of what he has lost. And this man would be sold into slavery, along with his wife and his children. But the servant, therefore, fell down before him, saying, Master, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. I will give it all back. And the master of that servant was moved with compassion. He released him. And he forgave his debt. Forgave Ephemi, remember? He removed the debt. He wrote it off. It doesn't exist anymore. It's done. But this servant, he goes out and found 
one of his fellow servants, who owed him a hundred denarii. Very little. He laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me. I will pay you all. But he would not forgive him, but went out and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when the fellow servants saw what he had done, they were very grieved, and they came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked, wicked servant, I forgave you all, all the debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? His master was angry and delivered him to the tormentors until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father will also do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Jesus is making the very clear statement that we will be treated by our Father the way we treat other people. And if we are feasting on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and our hearts have risen up against those who have wronged us, who have desperately hurt us, who have stolen from us, who have raped us, who have, who have done whatever they've done to us, if we don't respond with compassion, forgiveness then our Father in Heaven will treat our sins the way they deserve to be treated you notice he gave him over to the tormentor to the torturer to the racks this man has no hope of ever escaping He's in prison because he would not be merciful. Some of you today, as you listen to this broadcast, are imprisoned. You're imprisoned in your own judgments, your own ideas, your own accusations. There's a harshness in your heart. You go to bed wishing that person would just die and get out of your way, or you go to bed wishing you could die and just be gone because you don't want to deal with it anymore. It's too painful. It's too hard. You can enter into the presence of Jesus by eating from the tree of the life. You can enter into that place where Satan cannot torment you, where he cannot touch your mind or trouble your spirit if you make the decision that you will no longer respond to your tormentor with anything but kindness and mercy, treating them as you want God to treat you. Do they deserve your forgiveness? No. Do they deserve your love? No. 
Do they deserve any kindness from you? No. Not if you're under the law. Not if you're operating according to the justice of the old covenant. It's eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, a, a burn for a burn, a break for a break. But we're in the new covenant. We're in Jesus. And if we're in Jesus, it has to be very practical. It has to be real. Where we give up our selfishness. Where we say, oh God, look at what I've done. Look at my bitter accusations. Look at my anger. Look at the words I've spoken and the actions I've taken. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Lord, don't treat me the way I deserve to be treated. Don't treat me the way I deserve to be treated, Jesus. I stand by faith in your blood, Jesus. Almighty God, there are precious men and women listening to this broadcast who have been consumed with accusations and judgments. There are men and women in this listening congregation who have others cast all manner of accusation against them. Every unjust word has been spoken. O oh Lord, I come today pleading now that each one who has listened to this broadcast could be brought into that glorious place of the tree of life where judgment no longer flows, but where love overcomes every sin, where mercy and grace are shown, where all accusations are cast down and with the healing of your blood flowing upon us, washing us and cleansing us, the oil of the Holy Spirit filling us enables us to walk in peace with all men and all women, to be filled with your Holy Spirit. Lord, it's going to take a miracle for many to get a hold of this and move out of the judgments and out of the generational curses that have been upon them and I just lift my hand now and I break those generational curses that these dear ones have walked under I ask you to release them now in the name of Jesus I ask for your blessing to rest on every person I ask that you would remove all accusations from their hearts and from their minds I ask that you would break this pattern of of injustice and justice and law and grant to each listening your mercy and your kindness lord we just lift our hands to heaven and say in the name of jesus we break these curses we tear down these strongholds lord have your way right now with healing flow in the hearts of my dear brothers and sisters let them be filled with your presence. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee, the pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. 
please, I'd like to hear from you if God's mercy is moving in your life and the Holy Spirit is prompting you to give. We have a huge radio bill for this month and it's not even beginning to be covered. I need some hilarious offerings to Jesus. Would you give, would you send your check to the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That address again, the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Or you can go on our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, click on the donate button, and please be generous with Jesus. Your gifts are offerings unto Jesus. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley. I love you, my brother, my sister. Let me hear from you testimonies of victory. I'll talk to you soon. of his glory with great joy Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 